We hear so many stories of healing in the Gospels, and yet so seldom do we speak about actual healing in our public life. And so I thought we would take this opportunity this morning to dig a little more deeply into what it is that Jesus says and demonstrates that true healing that comes from the Holy Spirit actually looks like, how it happens, what the mechanics are, and what our responsibilities and opportunities are as healers in the midst of a broken world. This is a compelling story, I'm sure you'll agree. A woman has been sick and crippled for 18 long years. In the understanding of the gospel, she has been possessed by a spirit. Maybe in our time, she would have a different type of diagnosis. But that's not really what matters. What matters is that she's suffering and she's sick. Jesus does what is intrinsic to his nature when he meets her. He heals her. Instantly, the gospel says, immediately, she stands up straight and is made whole. Of course, that's not the end of the story here, because as the chief priests point out, the healing didn't take place on any old day. It took place on the Sabbath, the day set aside for rest, when no work is supposed to happen. And so they criticize both Jesus, but also blame the woman for coming to be healed on the Sabbath day. When you're sick, you know that tomorrow is already too late to be healed. And so we understand why the woman would have come to Jesus probably the only day that he was in town to do his act and miracle of healing. Jesus responds to the religious authorities pointing out their own hypocrisy and declaring for all time that healing, this gift of the Holy Spirit, should take place among God's people at all times and in all places, and most importantly, for all people. We live in a time and place where there are almost seemingly endless resources available for medical care. And as we all know, the idea of healthcare and public policy debates around how it should be administered has been the topic of fierce debate in this country for decades at this point. We are situated right across the street from an amazing hospital where miraculous things happen every single day. But very rarely do we talk about healing. Healing is not the same thing as curing. It's not the same thing as medicine. And it's not the same thing as a medical intervention. Healing is taking someone from a state of brokenness to a state of wholeness. And the gospel makes it very clear that God is capable of affecting this healing for all people, no matter what your situation is. Healing doesn't necessarily always mean that you will be cured of the thing that you are suffering from. Sometimes it means that you're going to learn how to live with it as a whole person. But there are things about healing that are oftentimes better than actually being cured by medical science. When we receive the miracle and the gift of healing, we understand our place in the world. 
We understand that we are held in a web of love that engulfs and encompasses all people, and that we retake our rightful place within that web of humanity. Healing takes place not only in the body, but also in the heart, and in the mind, and of course, in the soul. Each and every one of us will need healing at some time or another in our lives. And the great gift and wonder of it all is that God says that we will all receive whatever it is that we need to be healed. So let's take a look again at this passage. Something very important emerges, not only in this story, but in all the stories of healing in the gospel. You see, healing doesn't take place with a person who is alone. Healing is social by nature. It's almost sacramental in that way, the same way that you can't celebrate Eucharist on your own or baptize yourself. Healing takes place in the interaction between two people, at least two people, but probably an entire community. Returning to this story, this woman needed Jesus' physical presence in her life. She needed to present her own body to God in order to be healed. It wasn't something that she was going to be able to pray for on her own and receive. No, there is something so powerful about healing words that are spoken with a laying on of hands, and that can only take place in person. When you look at the social aspect of healing in this story, you can see that it's not only the woman who is sick, but her entire religious community. The community is led by a group of men who proclaim that healing is not available to all people or at all times. And in a way, they're kind of the sick ones in the story. Perhaps part of her illness is simply the fact that she's part of a community that itself is broken and sick. So Jesus doesn't stop simply at healing her. He heals the entire assembly, teaching them the truth and what is right. And not only them, but us thousands of years later, reminding us that healing exists within the body, the body of Christ. Goodness, didn't we learn in the last couple years this basic fact that healing is social? It takes place between people. For me, one of the absolute cruelest aspects of the pandemic was the way that it isolated us from one another. Even if we weren't suffering from COVID itself, forced into isolation, either in an ICU, in the hospital, or in our own homes, we were probably suffering from all the things that come along with being forced to spend so much time deprived of company. Loneliness, anxiety, anger, frustration, despair. All of these illnesses have one very simple cure, and that's being together. The church especially suffered by the fact that we were scattered into so many different people. And even though we understood and felt the bonds of love that were still between us, it just wasn't the same. 
Because we know that in order to receive the healing that we need week after week, we have to do it together. We can't just sit at home on our own hoping for it to happen. Don't get me wrong, God's grace is poured out in all places and on all people, even if we are by ourselves. But there is nothing like that feeling of being together, of being with another person, in order to receive that healing grace and to feel it and see it in your lives. So healing is social. It's something that takes place between people. And there's one last conclusion we can make from this story of healing that we hear in the Bible. If healing is real, and if it's social, then it's subject to the same things that every other social human activity is. If it's something that takes place between people, there will always be people who seek to manipulate and control it for their own good and well-being. Again, we can see this so clearly in this story. The religious authorities, well, they're the ones who claim that they have control over the healing action of God and the world. They're the ones that get to say who gets healed and when they get healed. Jesus, of course, blows apart that entire notion, proclaiming that even this woman, who everyone thought was going to be crippled for the rest of her life, even she was entitled to immediate healing. That's the message that we as Christians and followers of Jesus need to proclaim in the world and carry out everywhere that we go. Healing cannot be controlled by a group of people. There is no one in this world who has the right to say who should be healed and who should wait another day. No, healing is open to all people at all times. Look, we know how complicated and difficult our medical system is in this country. And that's to say nothing of medical care around the world. One of the things that makes me proudest about being the rector of this church is how many absolutely dedicated and skilled medical professionals we have in our midst who get up each and every day to serve God's people, to help advance healing in the world. You all know exactly who you are, and you are some of the most amazing leaders among us. I know that you exercise your vocation not just to get a paycheck, but in order to be hands of healing in the world. And it's a beautiful and amazing thing and an incredible gift to our community. At the same time, I know how frustrating the last couple years have been for you, as your own gifts of healing have been hampered by this pandemic and by all of the restrictions that have been placed on us. Some of you have witnessed terrible things in your own workplaces, and I hope that you're taking the time and space that you need to recharge and to recover, because your gifts are so sorely needed among us. All that said, when we step back just a little bit, you can hear the messages that sound like the religious authorities circulating in our society. The modern-day religious authorities are the ones who say who gets to receive the brand-name prescription drug versus the generic prescription drug. 
The voices who are the religious authorities are the ones who determine who has what level of health insurance and what type of care they should receive. The religious authorities are the ones who are determining whether people have the right to public funds for health care or not. And that's just the debate right here. Hundreds of years from now, I think that people will look back on this period of time in human history and look not only at the disparities in wealth and care within this country, but globally, around the world. Do you know it's estimated that about 5 million children die around the world each and every year? And the leading causes of those deaths have nothing to do with what we exist with here in the Western world. Most children die of things like infectious, infectious diseases, like pneumonia and malaria and diarrhea, or because of a lack of competent medical professionals who can deliver children. Incidentally, right here in this country, the leading cause of death among children is accidents, and the leading sector of accidents is gun violence. Don't we think that all of these things are in some measure preventable, somehow? So who is it who says that one child should grow up in a healthy and secure environment and another one should not have access to the type of healing that is necessary to get them through to their fifth or to their sixth year? Well, there's no one person sitting and making these decisions. As the gospel makes clear, it's simply a part of human nature. Whenever we organize ourselves for whatever reasons, the sinful nature of who we are as human creatures enters into the system and deprives some of what should be available for all. I don't bring up these things to make you feel guilty, and we only have a set number of hours during the day and the week to advocate for what we know is real. But we are here in church, gathered to pray, to worship, to listen to scripture, and to, allow, and to allow our hearts to be transformed and changed week after week. And the gospel makes something very, very clear. If that's who we claim to be, then we need to be people who believe that healing is available for all people at all times with absolutely no exceptions. Sometimes living out this truth in the world will look like one thing, and sometimes it will look like another. Sometimes it means advocating for yourself in the face of a medical system that can so often be so tangled, even though it's populated by such wonderful and talented people. Sometimes it can mean looking out for a friend or relative, helping them to get access to the resources that they need. Sometimes it means contributing money or time to an organization that works for health and well-being all around the world. We're proud here at All Saints Church to support Episcopal Relief and Development, which touches the lives of millions of people around the world. But deep down, the thing that animates these actions is our own faith, our deeply held belief that healing is this gift from God that cannot be controlled ultimately by any single person or system, that there is no way that 
money or regulations or anything else can get in the way between God's healing and the people who need to be healed. And if you believe that and live it out in your life, then eventually, over time, people's lives will be changed. There will be miracles, like the woman who had been crippled for 18 years, standing up straight. Children around the world will begin to live healthier lives over time. And our systems and attitudes as a whole will change for the better. But only, only if we continue to be people of deep faith and principle, living out our values in the world. Friends, healing is an amazing miracle. As any of you who have ever experienced it in your lives know, there is no doubt at all when you are being healed that it is God who is doing the work. Unfortunately, we are living in a time and a place where so many people's thoughts and actions and even bodies are riddled with sickness and illness. We live in a broken society where people view each other as enemies and refuse to understand each other's common humanity. And yet we will continue to believe, continue to believe that God is the great healer, that Jesus still walks this earth healing all those in need of it. Friends, continue to be healers in the midst. Continue to be miracle workers among those who need it. Continue to heal and continue to be healed for God's sake. Amen.